Praise the Lord. Good day to you. Welcome to Cross Time with Pastor Curtis. I'm Pastor Curtis Hutchinson here in the studio at Crossway Church in Queen City, Texas. Glad to have you with us whenever you find us on social media. And uh, just to be gathered around God's wonderful, beautiful words of life, light, and liberty. You know, James wrote that this whole book is called The Law of Liberty the law of God's liberty found in Christ Jesus. That means that everything in the book has got to flow through what God did in his son on the cross to liberate us or we'll miss out on the opportunity to have the fruit of what's written on the pages of what we call our Bibles. Hallelujah. And uh, we're here every Monday and Friday morning at 9 a.m. Central Time teaching presently in 2 Peter. We've taught 1 Peter and uh, we are more than halfway through Second Peter, and uh, we're just excited. You can find everything that we do here at Crossway Church on the YouTube channel, Curtis Hutchinson 316, and the website, thecrosswaychurch.com. There's a store icon you can click on. We have 12, 13, something like that, commentaries that you can avail yourself to. Use just a small uh, donation, ask for those. And I've got a couple with me this morning. The first one I ever wrote, Psalms 119, all the verses in that long psalm, glorying in the cross through Psalms 119. I like what it says on the front. Every word of God is light for our journey if we hear and see them in the light of the Lord Jesus Christ and his work on Calvary's cross. And something that the Lord give, has given me some time back that I put on all my morning posts, uh, well, really my, my, my uh, Pastor Curtis Facebook post every morning, at the end of every post every morning that I make, says these words, learning to see Christ and him crucified in every word which God has ever spoken. That's not what I thought it was. What I, po what I say on my post every morning, sorry about that, is seeking God in his word and finding him through faith in the sacrifice. But anyway, Psalms 119, the first one I ever wrote, it's available check out the store. The other one is, uh, one of the other ones is Titus Commentary and uh, Divine Order in the Church. And there are several more, and there's several more to even be formatted and printed and put in the store at some point. Pray for us that the Lord would give us grace to do that. His grace includes time. Hallelujah. So, praise the Lord. And, and, uh, just don't forget about our effort the Lord has given us to mail 10, 10 expositor study Bibles into the prison system every week. And that is to inmates who are requesting those specific Bibles. And so you can help us do that. It takes $40 per Bible to get it into the hands of the inmate. So again, that is, that is what it cost us per Bible. That's a great discount. But if we do 10 a week, and we do, you figure that up for yourself at 52 weeks a year. So I thank you for your help, and thank you for those who are going to begin helping us in that. You can text the word GIVE to the number 903-231-5950 and see one of the options is the Bibles to Inmate option. So thank you for your help. Today here in 2 Peter chapter 2, and this is part 7 of this second 
second chapter that we're teaching this morning. And you can find the rest of them on uh, the Crossway Church, Queen City, Texas Facebook page or the YouTube channel, Curtis Hutchinson 316, uh, or the website, thecrosswaychurch.com. So I encourage you to go and avail yourself to these uh, gospel-centered, cross-centered Bible studies and then share them that others may be born again or others who think they are walking in truth but are not can learn what truth is and can find out really what the Bible says. Most Christians today really don't have a clue at what the Bible says and most of the ones that do don't know what it means. And so I'm not being ugly. I'm, I'm, I'm speaking from experience. I used to sit around in, in break areas for years as a Christian and everybody throwing their two cents in and not think much about it, you know. And then one day the God would stir me and quicken me and awaken me and put a Bible in my lap and begin to show me what he said. And I, I remember the day that I sat there as I began to study God's word saying, my Lord, we were all wrong. All our thoughts, all our opinions, you need to get you a Bible and open it and begin to study it for yourself. And a lot of, everybody's got opinions and everybody's got little clips of this Bible verse and clips of that and then we mix our own fleshly lustful thoughts into it and do what we will with it. But that's not what God intended and faith cannot come unless we're hearing God's word in its righteous context. Hallelujah. So here we are, 2 Peter chapter 2. Let's begin this morning in verse 17. These are wells without water. Now, let me say this morning, you cannot just sit down and open your Bible and start reading anywhere. If you do, you're going to find yourself backing up. And if you don't, then you're pretty much just wasting your time. Because if you just start right here, if, you've, if this is the first time you've ever been with us, found us, and you're listening and watching... And, and you don't really understand the Bible and you're not really familiar with the word, when you hear these words, these are whales without water, your mind will go simply to dirt holes in the ground that are empty. But what this is referring to, and you'd have to back up to see this, and we won't do it this morning, go and avail yourselves to what's been taught or simply just read for yourself what's written up to this point. So here we see and we know that when the Lord says through Peter, these are wells without water, he's, he's referring to men and women in the church causing a distraction, a disturbance, and pointing away from what God is pointing to. They one time knew what was right and walked in what was right and pointed others to what was right, and we'll see that. We've seen that already in this chapter, and we'll see even more with more clarity and uh, uh, specifics as we move on through this chapter. Please don't get caught up listening to, to, to ministers who tell you that these, these people referred to in this chapter were just unbelievers in the church. That's not what the Bible says. And unless you're willing to just move into the place 
where you believe what the Bible says instead of listening to men try to make you believe something it's not saying, then you're not going to be able to grow like you could. You have to just accept the Word of God. And it's not that we don't need teachers in the church. We do, and we have them but they must always be those who are righteously dividing the Word of God, always bringing us back face-to-face -face with Christ Jesus and what He did at Calvary. That's where the light of the glorious knowledge of God shines from in the face of Christ. And there we can learn Scripture. There we can find our feet in the truth and and walking in the truth. So you, you, you have to be careful. This chapter is about men in the church who had what was right, delivered what was right, but now have turned away from what was right and are teaching false things now. And we'll see that even more so in the days ahead. You just have to let all those damnable heresies go that try to make you, make you believe uh, outside the words that are written here that these were just lost people, these were just tares among the wheat. That's not true. There are tares among the wheat. But these uh, are those who turned away from that which was right. And maybe becoming tares among the wheat, but they were ministers in the church, and that, that's, why, that's why we're being warned of it. We don't need to be warned. Uh, uh, I'm not going to say we don't need to be warned, but we don't need to be warned near as much about things outside the church as we do things that creep into the church. Amen. And I know... Every church on the planet at this very moment thinks they're exempt. This, these things are not happening in our church. But these things are happening in predominantly a most of the church. You can always know where it's happening when the Bible is opened and we're not being pointed to the redeeming work of Jesus Christ, who he is as the Son of God and what he did as the Lamb of God. If that's not what we're being pointed to, then someone is even in their ignorance maybe using the word love a lot or other words a lot to distract you and to try to get you to see something other than what you should see. But it's, it's a distraction. The only place we were given eyesight and vision, that being the vision of the Lord himself, is when we were born again. Unless we walk in that truth that made us born again, gave us new life, liberty, and light to walk in with the one who is in the light, then our vision will go dim and we'll go blind again. Peter wrote that even in his letter. So you must remember, these people are in the church. They're in the church. And many, and we'll see it, great swelling words, sw words that swell our flesh up. They're very distracting, very deceitful, and very deceptive because they enticed, they enticed the lust of our flesh that grows weary of hearing about the cross, the focus of the sacrifice. And we, we don't need to hear about that all the time. And, you know, I hate to tell folks this, but 
you, every person who says that, who's saying that, is going to uh, be ashamed at the judgment seat. They're going to be ashamed at the judgment seat. And you don't want to be ashamed at the judgment seat. You want to have this great joy that the Lord endured the cross for you to be able to have abounding in your heart. Hallelujah. So when the Bible here says these are wells without water, clouds that are carried with a tempest, to whom the mist of darkness is reserved forever, these are, these are men these are men who are bringing destructive heresies into the church, as we've seen this in the first part of this chapter. They're bringing heresies. And, and look, what, look at what the Bible here says is carrying them, what's moving them, clouds that are carried with a tempest. That word tempest, let's look at it this morning and see what it is that's moving and moving these whirlwinds, storms. They're being moved by these winds of false doctrine. They're not being carried along by that form of doctrine that made them sound and freed them from sin and made them a they say we need to move on from that and go on into, and I say into what? If the Holy Spirit is always delivering us unto death for Jesus' sake, then how can we go on, how can we go on from that truth? And I know in great swelling words, uh, they try to explain their position, but it's not a good position. They're being moved by winds of doctrine that carry them as storms. They're, remember, they're whales without water. They're whales other than the whales from where our salvation comes. Remember, I ministered a message yesterday titled The Work Within. And the work within is God's working death in us, 2 Corinthians 4 and 12. And out of his working death in us, we work out our own salvation. Hallelujah. Philippians 2 and 12. This, this place where God works is in, 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 the, from, in the well of salvation, meaning the death of his son and our union with him by faith in his death. And out of that flows everything we need. Out of that flows the fruit of our drinking from the well of salvation. What these Men are whales without water. They're whales without the water that comes from our salvation. And they're clouds that are carried. They're men. They're clouds that are carried. They're not being moved by the Holy Spirit. They're being carried with a tempest, meaning winds and storms that only distract and stir up the flesh and distract from what God is really saying, distract from what God is really attempting to do, to whom the mist of darkness, the gloom of darkness, is reserved forever. These people have lost their way. They've turned from. <clears throat> the way of righteousness, which is God's holy commandment. We see that down here near the end of this very chapter. And I want to read a few more verses, if I can, this morning. 
concerning the clouds that are really, the Bible says, the dust of God's feet. And where we find the clouds that are the dust of God's feet, the dust of where God is walking and moving and having his way, the, the clouds that are the dust of his feet carry the rain, the true rain, this latter rain that we're not praying for and expecting to come it's already here, my friend. We are in the latter rain. We are in the time of the harvest. We are there. It's not coming. It is there. A greater move of it is coming moment by moment to those who find themselves in the latter rain. But to find yourself in the latter rain, you must be among those who are the clouds uh, that are the dust of God's feet that carry this latter rain, which is the message of Christ and Him crucified. There is no other message that brings the rain. Hallelujah. And always remember this. God only gives rain to the ground in which He's planted you as His people. I want to say that again. This latter rain Oh, this latter rain, it only rains on the ground wherewith God has planted his vineyard. And that's in the likeness of his son's death. That's where you were planted when you're born again. That's the only ground that God is watering. He won't water any other ground. That's what his well of salvation is set apart for. His well of salvation, we draw from the wells of our salvation because there's the only place the water is that allows us to grow and to mature and to be used by God. Hallelujah. So watch this in Nahum. Write these things down. It'll bless you later as you study and the Lord gives you greater illumination of them. Nahum the prophet in chapter 1 verse 3 says, The Lord is slow to anger and great in power and will not at all acquit the wicked. See it? What we're talking about here even in Peter, he's got, he's got a dark and gloomy place that's beyond our ability to imagine or speak this place of damnation that's reserved for these who, uh, who know what's right but turn away from it and offer everything else or some other way. It's not going to be good and that's far, far uh, uh, an understatement. Watch this now. He, he will not at all acquit the wicked. The Lord has his way in the whirlwind and in the storm. And the clouds are the dust of his feet. The clouds that carry the rain are the dust of where God is really walking. I want you to hear me say that again right out of the Bible. The clouds are the dust of God's feet. And I know that you can try to make that apply to the clouds in the sky. And, and, and I'm sure they do apply to the clouds in the literal physical sky. But everything in the Bible has a spiritual tone written there for us as well. Nothing in the Bible ends with just a physical effect or a physical view. It all has a spiritual impartation if you have a spirit-taught heart. So the Bible here says, 
that the clouds are the dust of his feet. And we see here that the, these clouds that Peter writes about are whales without water. They, they're carried about with a tempest. They're blown around as clouds, but they have no rain to offer. And, and I want to read a couple other scriptures. Jude chapter 1, Jude's only chapter, by the way, verse 12 is talking about these same spots in our feast. And if you back up here in verse 13, 2 Peter 2 and 13, the Bible here says, And shall these shall receive the reward of unrighteousness as they that count it pleasure to riot, to revel, to party in the daytime. Spots they are and blemishes, sporting themselves, reveling themselves with their own deceivings while they feast with you. While they feast with you. Uh, but he says there in verse 13, Peter says, there's spots and blemishes. And here we see in the book of Jude, verse 12, these are spots in your feast. The church doesn't like to think about there being spots in their churches, in their worship services, in their love feasts. And these aren't people just there visiting in the pews. These are people who have authority to stand before the people. They're spots. But you see, these revelings and this party spirit is not exclusive to physical partying in clubs and lasciviousness, uh, promiscuous uh, sexual activities. This is, this is also talking about these who have this, this, this spirit that just points to everything. And, you know, a lot of what's called Pentecost today that I call Pentecostalism, a lot of what's called Pentecost is really the world, the spirit of the world that's come in because the world, I mean, the church, the church doesn't like not being able to do what the world does. So it it finds a way to do what the world does and just call it something else. Stamp the Lord on it. Call it the Spirit of the Lord. But my friends, if it's not the truth of the Redeemer and what He did on Calvary's cross that's moving you and stirring you and guiding you and, and, and causing the great joy in your heart, you have been blinded. You are being seduced. And that's just the way it is. And none of us like to think that this is going on in our church. But when we begin to learn the truth of Calvary, you can't separate the written truth from the living word of truth, the one who became truth, who is the living word, from what he did at Calvary. If you separate those things, then confusion and automatic contradiction and blindness begin to take place. And that's just the way it is. So let's get back to this focus. Jude verse 12 says, These are spots in your feasts of charity, your worship services. When they feast with you, they're feeding themselves without fear, without the fear of the Lord. See, the fear of the Lord, get this now, the Bible says in Psalms 25, 14, the secret of the Lord is with them that fear him 
And he shows them, he makes known to them his covenant. You see, where the fear of the Lord is, the focus of his covenant is there. You know, you, you can't do a study in the scriptures of the fear of the Lord without it revealing the fruit of the cross to you. Proverbs 14, 26, and 27, I believe it is, tells us that in the fear of the Lord is strong confidence. You don't get a strong confidence anywhere from God unless your heart is yielded and touching the very sacrifice of Christ. It's not going to happen. Uh, the Bible says that the fear of the Lord is what delivered us from the snares of death. What delivered us from the snares of death? What Jesus did at Calvary. The fear of the Lord can never be separated from who Jesus is and what he did at Calvary. So let's read this again because what Jude wrote about is the same thing Peter wrote about. So there must be a need for us who are saved and in church to know these things because these things are happening within the walls of the church. Even in the walls of the churches that are preaching and showing certain things that are false and not, not right according to the scriptures, but, but yet the same time that is happening, which is a part of what disguises what we should be alerted to, is that they're pointing to some other object of faith for your growth or your deliverance other than the death of Jesus. We point out at what's false and what makes those other cults and false religions false, but then when we start teaching what we need to grow or to be delivered from the, the bondages of the very sin nature that's dominating God's people, we, we start pointing to what we need to do to, deliver, to be delivered. And, and, and while we're pointing out what, what's false in the false religions, what makes them false, it, then we fall prey to the being false our own selves because we're not pointing to the cross for our deliverance and our growth and our maturity. So you have to be careful that just because you're listening to ministers point out what makes false religions false, they could be telling you that which is false, and that's why you're not growing. You're not being delivered. How long have you been sitting and listening to some preacher? How many years have you sat there in the same bondage that you've just grown accustomed to and that you, you're, you're learning to just allow the chains of your bondage to, to try to become comfortable to you, but they'll never be comfortable, and you know you should be delivered. You want to be delivered, but you're not hearing what will deliver you. That's, that's why people are leaving these denominational, traditional works of men. That's why they're getting up and getting out of there, my friend, because the message of the cross is not preeminent there. It is not the message of God's only answer for all things that's taking place there. And until you get to that point, you're going to stay in your chains and you're just going to try to make them more comfortable, but they'll never 
get comfortable. They will never get comfortable. These are people in these churches who are spots. Let's read this in verse 12 of Jude chapter 1. These are spots in your feast of charity. When they feast with you, feeding themselves without fear. Here it comes, just what Peter wrote. Clouds they are without water. Clouds without water. Carried about of winds, these winds of doctrine. Every doctrine, doctrine other than that form of doctrine that made you sound in Christ Jesus, free from sin and made you a servant of righteousness. All these winds of other doctrines that will not free you, will not empower you, no other doctrine than that form of doctrine that saved you can empower you for the work of the ministry to be the father, the husband, the, hu the wife, the, the mother, the, the employer, the employee, anything that you have put your hands to, you will never know how to live for God in the midst of all of that until you're willing to recognize these clouds uh, that are like wind. They're carried, they themselves are carried about uh, of winds, all these other winds of doctrine. They're, look, it says here in Jude, they're trees whose fruit have withered. They have been planted, they have had fruit, but their fruit has withered. Not only that, but without fruit now. They had fruit, but it's withered. They're now without fruit, twice dead. That's very important. We were dead at one time in sins and trespasses. We were born again, we were planted in Christ, branches in Christ, but have now allowed our fruit to wither, now twice de dead again, plucked up by the roots, plucked up by the roots, from the roots. Get this now. This is very important because these very things are being taught by ministers that cannot happen in the true church. No, these things were written to the true church because these things are happening to people who are in the true church, who once walked in the truth, had fruit, but now it's withered. Let's keep reading in 2 Peter where we are and we'll see why. We will see why right here and how this happens. Watch now. In verse 17, these are whales without water, clouds that are carried with a tempest to whom the mist of darkness is reserved forever. For when they speak great swelling words of vanity, vanity, that which is vain, the word vanity here means empty. Words that are empty are words that are not pointing you to Calvary, where the power of God flows from, where God is at work in you. God is working death, the death of Jesus into you for Jesus' sake that his life might be manifest through you. These men are speaking great and swelling words that are empty. They allure us through the lust of our own flesh. They draw us. Look, I'll never be able to blame them at the judgment. 
whether it be the judgment seat of Christ and I was distracted and, and, and didn't live right. And, and I'll never be able to blame the false prophets. I'll never be able to blame those that knew the way, walked in the way, and yet forsook the way. Because James said, it's always us who are drawn away through the lust of our own flesh. Those even at the great white throne judgment, not they might do finger pointing and they might proclaim all that they did, but it's you're not God doesn't allow the blame game. Go back and read when man first sinned and what he first did, he he all he could do was blame somebody. The woman that you gave me caused this. Then the woman said the snake, and and so. There is no, we are, there are millions of false prophets today. Hear me again. Millions within the walls of true churches who are there attempting with great swelling and empty vain words to distract from the very thing they've been distracted from. Watch. For when they speak great swelling words, notice they have a place in these churches to speak. They're not just viewers. They're not just pew warmers. They have a, a place to speak. These are speakers that are being heard. For when they speak great swelling words of vanity, they allure through the lust of my flesh. Through much wantonness, that word means licentiousness. Let's look it up together this morning. I hope you would. It means filthy lasciviousness, unbridled lust, just lust, lust of the flesh. Listen, the flesh wants nothing to do with the cross of Christ. And when men, ministers, come along and speak these great swelling words that entice the lust that our flesh always has and will always have, you will not escape the lust of the flesh until you're with Jesus. But the promise is if you will learn what it means to walk in the Spirit and you will choose to walk in the Spirit, meaning trusting in the death of Jesus alone, then the lust of the flesh will not be fulfilled. Galatians chapter 5. They're not going away. They just can can be prevented if the cross comes in between their lust and they're being carried out, then they won't be carried out. But it's only the power of the cross and your knowledge of and your uh, determination to maintain the exercising of your faith in the death of Jesus and your death with him that will prevent the lust of the flesh from following these men with great swelling words. They're great swelling words, but they only swell up our lusting flesh. And they're only spoken from a swollen up lump of flesh. Get that now. And this is everything that's pointing you away from the cross. God forbid people visit our churches in these last days and be able to 
to leave and say, well, see there, you don't have to always preach the cross. You, I've heard that over the last several years. People visiting places and saying, and following certain ministries and then leaving saying, see there, I told you you didn't have to preach the cross all the time. Well, if they weren't pointing to Calvary, those were great swelling words because without the focus of the cross, all that can happen is our fleshly lust are given a place to swell up and something else to follow. That's all there is. It's either the way of the cross or the way of swole up flesh going after its own fulfillments. And that's really the only two ways there are. Serving the sin nature that allows the flesh to be swole up and get what it wants or keeping it stifled by bringing the truth of Calvary in and by serving obedience unto righteousness. Romans 6.16, there's not a third avenue, there's two. And we get to choose which way we'll go, hallelujah. So watch this now. They, they speak great swelling words of vanity. They allure through the lust of our own flesh, through much lasciviousness, wantonness, unbridled lust. Those that were clean, those that were indeed escaped from them who live in error, while they promise them liberty, they themselves are the servants of corruption. If you're being promised and offered liberty without it being the work of the death of Jesus on Calvary's cross, you're, you're, you're being offered liberty that will never happen. That's how these people sit in these churches all their life and just they, they just begin to accept it that failure is a reality. That failure has to be there. Failure. And make no mistake about it, we're going to fail. But the cross and the focus of Jesus and what he did at Calvary in our union there, what he did in death for us and to us will remove the thought of failure and bring in the truth of I can live for God. I've been given everything I need. I can walk in righteousness. I can live in victory. Hallelujah. I can experience what it means to be an overcomer. Though I'll never obtain, uh, attain to perfection, I can be in its work. You remember what Paul asked the deceived and led astray church in Galatia, who's bewitched you? That you now no longer obey the truth before whose very eyes it was evident that Christ was crucified. Did you receive the Spirit of God by the works of the law, meaning what you did, or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish to believe that now you can go on unto perfection by works of the law? Or don't you know that it, it's not going to happen unless you continue in the hearing of faith that's tied to Jesus Christ and Him crucified? Think about that. That's what all these churches that God is raising up in these last few moments, this last few little portion of a vapor, man, the, the end of this age, is it's like coming to a funnel and it's, it's just with intensity coming to, 
about to enter into something totally new. And these cross-preaching, cross-focused churches are, I believe, the greatest move of God in the entirety age of the church. We're just now learning that even in the 1800s, in the early 1900s, we're finding books that are written by uh, Watchman Nee and Gordon Watt and F.J. Hugel and others out there. This truth has been out there. But it's not been offered at a scale that it is now. Churches being planted and ministers who know they don't need some theological uh, diploma. That they just need the Spirit of God and the truth of Calvary, the power of the cross, uh, uh, the, 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 the fullness of the Holy Spirit to carry this message all over the world, hallelujah. And these churches that are being planted now with these ministers who are determined to know nothing else but Christ and Him crucified, though they're being laughed at and mocked and all sorts of terminology is being used as great swelling words to get your minds to look away from what God is offering through these ministries. And these ministries that are that are learning to, as Paul had to learn to, to become more and more determined not to allow anything in the midst or to stand in the place where they can speak anything other than God's Word in the context of Christ, the living Word of God and what He did as the Lamb of God on the tree of Calvary. Hallelujah. This is the greatest move of God the church age has ever known. So those of you who are involved in this, uh, don't be distracted and, and discouraged by those who will have no part of it. Wherever the strongest move of God has ever been, it's been opposed greatly by those who claim to be in other things that they claim God is in. God, listen, they Israel killed the prophets that Jesus said wrote about him because they were always calling God's people back to the, their attention, back to the sacrifice, back to the place God said, I will meet with you here and I will commune with you here. And when they left that, they could not commune with him and they could not meet with him. This, let me say it again before we move on, this is the greatest move of God right now that's existed in the church age where we know about Pentecost. We know about the baptism with the Holy Spirit. We know that it takes the Holy Spirit now to live this crucified life. When you when you first come to the truth of Calvary and you're born again, it leads you straight to Pentecost and you're filled with the Spirit of God. You have the Holy Spirit and then your next location is back to Calvary where he delivers you always to so that the power of Pentecost will not be in vain because the power of Pentecost is the preaching of the cross. That's what you see preached all throughout the book of Acts. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. And in a great and powerful way in that day because they were preaching literally 
the death of Jesus to the very ones who put him to death. Think about that. Glory be to God. But it's really not much different today because it was our sin, that old sin nature, our old sin man that put him to death just as well. So think about that. So watch this now. Uh, while they promised them liberty, 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 19, while they promised them liberty, they themselves are the servants of corruption because of whom a man is overcome of the same as he brought in bondage. In the same as he brought into bondage. If you're overcome by something, you're in bondage to it. As Romans 6, 16 says, let's go back and read that verse. The Lord really has lately been bringing this scripture back to a great focus to me uh, on the table spread before me that he offers me and shows me everything he shows me through the flesh and the blood of Jesus Christ. And I want you to see this very powerfully. I pray that God would show it to you in a greater light today. Don't you know, Romans 6, 16, know you not that to whom you yield, to whom? This is some, not what, to who? You yield yourself servants, servants, that word means slaves, to obey his servants, his slaves you are, to whom you obey, to whom you obey. Not what, to whom not what, to whom you obey. Whether it's of sin, it's a whom. The sin nature. Unto death, and for that, that's as Christians, if we look away from Calvary and we start listening to these great swelling words that entice the lust of our flesh and we begin trusting in anything other than the death of Jesus, Paul says in Romans 7, 9, that the sin, this person, the sin nature revives and we die. See, a Christian can be dead in a bad way. Colossians 3 and 3 says you're dead and hidden with Christ in God. But the church of Sardis, Revelations chapter 3, verse 1, is told by Jesus through John the Revelator, you have a name that you're alive, but you're dead. Why were they dead? Because they were now walking in an unfruitful place, and that's why the letter goes to them so that they can awaken and repent and come back to the place, listen, where they're told to come back to, the place they received and heard. The cross. That's where you heard. That's where you received. Not just initially, but if you're still hearing and you're still receiving, it's only through that hearing of faith. Or you're listening to someone with great swelling words that's appeasing our lustful flesh to get us to start trusting in something other than one exclusive truth of Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And when we do, we're serving a person, the old man, the sin nature, unto death, the unfruitful place. Or, don't you know, the other avenue for us to choose is if we'll serve obedience 
unto righteousness, which is what this very chapter told us that form of doctrine freed us from sin and made us servants of this avenue, obedience unto righteousness. There's not but two avenues. Every moment of our life, there's only two choices. These, these ones who come along and speak these great swelling words are there only to entice our fleshly lust again that are there. They are there waiting to be enticed by something other than the cross. See, the message of the cross keeps the lust of our flesh dormant where they can't dominate us and bring us into the, to their very bondage. Do you understand that? The message of the cross, the truth, my heart yielded to Jesus' death and my death with him. I'm dead and hidden with him. I've been crucified with him. I am crucified with him. That's the only thing that can come in between these, these lustful flesh not accepting these great swelling words and the flesh being denied and Christ being magnified. Oh, hallelujah. Glory be to What a mystery. What a great truth this is. Hallelujah. Watch this now. In verse 19, while they promise them liberty, they themselves are the servants of corruption. I was there for years. I was there for years in ministry. I've told the story a thousand times. Let me tell it again this morning. A certain man and a woman, and this was just one that I remember, but this was, this was my answer for everything as it is hundreds of thousands, if not a few million of ministers today. This man, this woman came walking down the aisle in church many, many years ago before I knew God only had one answer. And they were beaten down by the world, their flesh, and the devil, and it was obvious by the look about them. And I cried real tears with them because it was obvious they needed deliverance. They needed deliverance. So when they told me if they didn't find deliverance and escape from this way of life, this way of destruction, that they weren't going to make it much longer. And with real tears flowing down my face, I said, well, if you'd get in church every week, if you'd study the Word of God and give to God, give to the work of God, and all those things should be a part of the Christian's life. But none of those things can save or deliver. And if you hear anybody speak otherwise, contrary to this truth, it's only with great swelling words they're using to swell your flesh up to make you think that if you got in church every week and if you gave money to the church and if you started reading and studying the Word every day, that in those things you could deliver yourself, your flesh would be pumped up. But eventually your flesh would realize... Well, your flesh always going to try to make you think it's working, but you, you, who you are as a child of God, you know it's not working. I lied to those people. I put laws of doing something in front of those people. And just as the Galatians were told, did we receive the Spirit by what we did or by the hearing of faith? 
Are miracles worked among us by what we do or by the hearing of faith? If it's not the hearing of faith, it's not going to be the Spirit of God. Oh, if we could only believe that today as the church. And the hearing of faith is always tied to the hearing of what Jesus did in His flesh on the cross by grace through His faith. That's right. The hearing of faith that brings the faith that comes when we hear the word has to come through that. Or it's not faith that comes through righteousness. Peter wrote to us here in the, the, first, chap, the first chapter of this second letter. Listen carefully. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. See, faith, the church don't know this. And many would buck this today, but it's their own flesh bucking this. Faith can't even come by hearing the word if it doesn't come through righteousness. That's not a scripture for the initial entrance and then that's it. Faith can't ever come lest it comes through the righteousness of God. Remember, the fruit of faith is always the righteousness of faith. Unless it comes through righteousness and our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, meaning the work of righteousness He carried out on Calvary's cross, then the Word is not going to be engrafted in an experiential way into my heart. Somebody heard that today. Hallelujah to the Lamb. So we see here back in 2 Peter 2, they promise liberty while they themselves are servants of corruption. Now they don't know this. They don't know that they're preaching corruption because they're bound in corruption because they really believe as I did once that they're trying to help God's people but either, listen to me carefully, either they don't know because they've not heard or they have heard and they've opted out of what the Bible says is the only way to be delivered from corruption, which is the way of the cross. Watch. While they promise them liberty, they themselves are the servants of corruption because of whom a man is overcome of the same as he brought into bondage. Let's keep reading this morning. We're not going to finish because the very last three verses of this chapter is quite revealing. But we will move on into it a little bit today. Watch very, watch very carefully. And I hope you do have a King James Version or a New American Standard Bible Version. Because if you don't, there's no telling what you're going to read. A, a lot of these translations will make your flesh swell up because they're not near close enough to a word-for-word -word translation. You've got to be careful which translation you're reading. Watch this translation called the King James Version. And I'm not saying you have to have this version, but there are other translations that twist things around that remove the focus of Calvary's Christ. Even some that remove things from the Bible. And who is man to come along and to take away 
from God's word. Even with great swelling words they use in why they do it. Verse 20, For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, stop right there. If you're going to listen to a man come in with great swelling words to try to tell you that these people written about here were, are only lost people in the midst of the saved church, my friend, you're missing out on a boatload of revelation if you're taking men's words that only can swell up the flesh. There are people who feel the church right now who are speaking in this manner we're reading about. They feel the church. They're everywhere. There are entire seminaries now where these things are taught. Only great swelling words. They talk about Christ. They talk about the cross because the devil knows he has to use that lingo. But to point to that as God's only provision to enter and to experience his kingdom in power, you're never going to hear these people talking about that. And you're also going to see pulpits opened to great swelling words that are allowed to come in to distract, to offer the very corruption that at other times we're preaching against. You see, God is looking for a determined ministry. He's looking for determined ministries. He's looking for determined Christians. Not to preach a determination over here and then open a place for voices to speak something other than what that determination of God offers. That's, a, that, that's, that's not God's will. No matter what the great swelling, vain, empty words are that make excuses when that is happening, it's never God's will. Any excuse made for it is made by great swelling words that are vain and empty and cannot and will not be heard by those who are learning to recognize where this is going on. And again, let me say it today, that's why God is moving people out of these boastful places in these denominational, these, these things that men boast of, these things that men are holding on to so tightly which causes their hands and their hearts not to be empty enough to be filled with more of this truth, if any at all. I want you to think about that. For if after they have escaped, the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein and overcome. The latter end is worse with them than the beginning. We're going to stop right here and I'm going to highlight this area right here so that this coming Friday morning we can take off right here again, and allow the Holy Spirit to reveal to us what we need to see so that our shield of faith can be where it needs to be so that every fiery dart from the wicked one 
will melt away and fall to the ground in these days ahead. God bless you. It's been a great joy to gather around his wonderful word again this morning. I pray that he's been able to impart the truth to, to stir you and to give you a greater discernment than you've ever had before, to help you see things you've never seen before, or maybe to help you see in a greater light the things you already are walking in. He is a good God that we serve, but we're living in the greatest time of deception that there's ever been where men are calling good evil and evil good like never before. But those who have eyes to see, which are those who look through the blood, are going to be able to endure to the end to be saved. Hallelujah to the Lamb. I love you. I pray that God's touch, even in this very moment and this day, be upon you body, soul, and spirit. He knows your needs. Ask Him. Ask Him for whatever it is you need. I pray that you find His touch upon your heart and all that pertains to you today. And I pray that you would seek the Lord concerning all that you've heard today. If the Lord stirs your heart to give an offering to Him through this ministry, and that's always between you and Him, you can do that at thecrosswaychurch.com or you can simply text the word GIVE to the number 903-231-5950. God bless you. I do love you. I pray that you'd stand with us all the way to the finish line. Until next time, stay determined to know absolutely nothing but Christ and Him crucified. We'll see you then.